The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside James Anderson. You can find James out on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. You can find me at Clay W. Link. This is the third uh, edition of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. We're going to have our own separate RSS feed for this podcast built very soon, but currently just under the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast feed. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Got some news to hit on. We're also going to uh, discuss some some keeper decisions with our uh, staff keeper league keeper deadline looming tomorrow. Uh, also get into James's farm futures piece on the NL Central, looking at the top ten prospects by team in that division. But James, uh, good to be on with you. Yeah, uh, good to be recording the third episode. Uh, we're going to be recording every Tuesday from now on. Uh, like mid mid to late afternoon so it should be available every tuesday evening uh for the foreseeable future yeah thanks for pointing that out i was uh up to my neck and work yesterday just wasn't able to get in but uh 
I think this this Tuesday setup will, will work just as well. Uh, but James, big news in out of Chicago in that Chris Sale coming down with that avulsion fracture in his foot. Uh, opening day status very much in jeopardy. He's been scratched from Friday's Cactus League outing. In comes top prospect Carlos Rodon. Uh, interesting thing here. Don Cooper, pitching coach for the White Sox, uh, suggested Rodon has be- a better chance to break camp with the rotation spot, but uh, manager Robin Ventura has been kind of coy about it, uh, saying that that does- doesn't necessarily improve his chances. Uh, just looking at our projections for Rodon this year, 20 appearances, 5 starts, 3.13 ERA, one two eight whip, 51 to 23 K to walk over 46 innings. Uh, seems somewhat modest, but uh, would you take the over on these numbers as far as starts and innings? And if so, what kind of major league workload are you expecting? I would take the over on pretty much all of that. Uh, I would I would especially take the over uh, if it, like in that in that scenario he would be making 15 appearances out of the bullpen. I would go way, way over on the, the K to innings ratio there if, if he's making 15 appearances out of the bullpen because I think he would be, uh, you know, a top top five reliever in terms of strikeouts if, he, if that's how they were going to end up using him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of depends. The innings is, is kind of where you're, you're kind of left wondering because, you know, even if he were to somehow break camp in the rotation to fill a, a start or two with sale out, you just don't really know how long you would stick in there once sale returns. Maybe he would just go straight to the White Sox bullpen, but maybe he would go down to AAA and, and stay stretched out in case they want to have him ready in case they need to replace one of the guys like John Danks or Noessi at the the back of that rotation. Yeah, and then, I mean, the fallback options, if, if there were to be another injury in that rotation, are, are pretty dismal. I mean, uh, Scott Carroll had a really tough year last year, back with the team on a non-roster invite, but uh, Francelis Montas actually is, is pretty interesting, but... Uh, you know, has had some issues, you know, throughout his minor league career. He really took a step forward last year, but the the FIP uh, was, you know, 130 points higher than his ERA at AA. So I would imagine he needs a bit more seasoning. Uh, do you think, you know, the the team would probably prefer to to give a veteran like Carroll the nod over, over Rodon, or do you think that Rodon has a legitimate chance uh, to be this fill-in guy to start the year? I don't think, I mean... Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, that's that, that's why the the Cooper quote is nice because he kind of does say that that isn't is an option they would look at is starting Rodon in rotation. So you at least know that there is a chance he could break camp as a starter with the team, which which makes me want to take the over on five starts. Probably take the over on on ten starts even, and, and it's just a matter of time uh, before he gets those. I think if you look at the back of that rotation, but Carroll, I would take the under on five starts i mean if he if he starts in the rotation over rodan it would just be until sales back and then he would be out of the rotation for the rest of the season uh, mm-hmm. most likely and i think if an injury were to happen like a, a, a long-term one then they would go with rodan and you know carroll would maybe be used if they just need one start out of a guy but if they need five or ten or 15 starts i think they go rodan yeah i completely agree because yeah if if they are healthy the rest of the way you know sale doesn't have a, a long-term issue i agree that 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 could very much be the case with them, and, and that they could, um, you know, deploy deploy Carroll, and then just hope that uh, you know they're able to stay healthy. But at the same time, I would stay, take the over on Rodon's number of appearances, as far as our projection twenty and starts uh, and strikeouts. Probably, 
you know, take the under on the whip. I don't know if I may take the over on the ERA, but uh, I think those are pretty pretty fair numbers as far as uh, in the ratio categories. Uh, but let's move on to to a big announcement from manager John Farrell of the Red Sox. Announced Tuesday that Rusnay Castillo and Mookie Betts will compete for the starting job in center field this spring. Uh, the two set to get equal playing time at the position until one emerges. Of course, Betts was expected to push Shane Victorino for the job in right, but uh, Farrell has said that Victorino will be a starter there so, so long as he's healthy. Um, you know, and that's definitely no given. And this will all become moot, you know, if Victorino does get hurt. But how do you see this competition in center playing out? And do you think the loser will indeed be headed to AAA Pawtucket to begin the year? I think if if Betts were to win out, I think Castillo would go to AAA Pawtucket. But if Castillo were to win out, I don't necessarily think Betts would go down. I think that, you know, if, if Castillo loses out, that means that they don't think he's ready, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if he's if he loses out, then there's no point in him being up as a bench guy. But I think Betts is ready. They're just kind of kind of have him compete in case Castillo's not ready. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday just kind of a stat on on Victorino's hamstring issues over the past two seasons he's he's missed time on six separate occasions over the past two seasons with hamstring injuries and it's totaled like 90 95 games six over the past two years wow and it's in hamstrings on both legs and that's not even counting you know the back injury at the end of last year and several other uh nagging injuries I mean he's missed about a full season over the past two years all told so I really don't see a scenario where he can stay healthy enough to hold that job all year in in right field, even if he does start the year there. So I would I would take the, you know, if we're gonna list Castillo, Victorino, and Betts in terms of plate appearances this year for the Red Sox, I would have Victorino last in that category, even if he opens the year as a starter. Well, wow, that's an interesting stat and definitely telling because yeah, his just his ability to hold up to the day to day grind. Uh, really isn't isn't there anymore, uh, but yeah, I, I just remember we talked about this on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast a couple weeks ago, and we kind of said that you know with with Betts, there's still that you know three to five percent chance he could be headed to AAA last year, but we kind of wrote that off, saying that there was no chance for Castillo. Uh, but this this definitely you know changes things quite a bit because you look at Betts, I think it was a three eighty six on base over the final two months last season. Uh, which was the seventh best mark in baseball. And Farrell has mentioned him routinely as the, the top option to lead off. So, I mean, I, I think he definitely has an inside track at a job. And, you know, if if Castillo has some issues against Major League Pitching and spring training, um, you know, he, he's I think he's 27, he's definitely older than Betts, but, uh, you know, he'll, he'll need to prove it in order to, to run away with this job, even with the contract. I, I uh, you know, I have Betts in two keeper leagues. One of them is a daily moves league where uh i'm really excited about his prospects this year because you know whenever he's in the lineup i'll just put him into my lineup but i have him in a weekly league too and that i'm not as excited about just because you know i i don't know how this is all gonna shake down but there's a chance that he might be tricky to start in the first one or two months of the season if if he's only playing four days a week or something like that then you know that could that could be trouble. So I mean, I I love I love bets in daily leagues. I, I love bets if you're playing DFS. Uh, but 
and I still have him as a top 100 guy in, in just full season rankings, but it's just it's kind of troublesome that they're willing to at least put up the facade of, of Shane Victorino being the guy that's guaranteed a job if he's healthy, whereas these other two guys who are more talented uh, and more part of their future plans are going to have to battle it out. Yeah, and I think, you know, both will see ample playing time right now, but I think, you know, I've been high on Rusne Castillo. I, I have him, uh, I think, just outside my top 50, but, you know, we have our, our Rotowire Roundtable update due in about a week. I'm thinking just be... Just based off this info, uh, the outside chance he heads to AAA to start the year, I'm going to have to you know, temper my expectations. I think when he plays, he will be you know, very productive. But um, you know, without a really a set job, I mean, th- I thought that contract would, would probably lock him in. Uh, I, I think he's a, he's a lot more risky, especially at, at that price. You know, with, a, with that level draft pick, I think uh, you may may want to consider some more safe alternatives. Uh, but before we move on, I just want to touch quickly on. The Diamondbacks' third base situation, of course. I mean, the team wants Yasmani Tomas to to win the job and be their everyday third baseman to start the year. But uh, you know, the reports out of spring training have been mixed as far as far as his like acclimation to the position. Uh, said said to have his best day in drills Sunday, but he's going to also see time in the outfield this spring. Uh, you know, to stay sharp out there in case the team has to move him back. Uh, meanwhile, Jake Lamb has been you know, drawing praise. I mean, Tony La Russa said his talent is oozing. Uh, oozing machismo like Razor Ramon, that's that's what I like to hear. But realistically, how how do you see this play out? I mean, do you see any any early indication as to uh, what to expect? And are you targeting Lamb in in deeper mixed leagues? You know, in a in a NL only league, I think you'd probably have to have to roll with him with a reserve pick or something something like that. Um, I just I don't know I don't see the batting average being there over a full season. I know it you know he hit uh, a lot of his a lot of his above three hundred averages in the minor leagues were thanks to BABIPs that were close to four hundred, and then you know last year with his brief stint with the Diamondbacks he had a somewhat normal BABIP and he hit two thirty struck out almost twenty eight percent of the time. I you know I think he can improve on the strikeouts a little bit, uh, but. It's just not a not that intriguing of a package to me unless you're in a deeper uh, and only league. Yeah, looking at your prospect list, you have him 170 uh, on your top 200. I mean, I think that's lower than a lot of people might might expect. But uh, at the same time, you make a lot of good points as to his. I just you don't know, struggles. Like, I don't. I don't see the point of ranking a guy high if you don't believe that he can be like a key part of your fantasy team for like a five year stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to win in a, like a five year window, if if I don't think that Jake Lamb is going to be someone that I, you know, am happy to have on my my dynasty league team for for a long stretch of time, then I just don't. I don't see the point in ranking him that high. Opening day is almost here, and while we prep for season long leagues this month. DraftKings.com has hundreds of contests running every day throughout March for the NBA, NHL, college hoops, PGA, and soccer. Sign up today at DraftKings.com. Use the promo code DVR to get a free contest entry today with a free deposit. Shout out to DVR uh, on that. But James mentioned it earlier in passing, but we have the SKL2, Staff Keeper League 2, keeper deadline coming up tomorrow, I think at noon, uh, noon central, if I'm not mistaken, but... I'll have to quick double check on that. Now, there's there's kind of been, you know, a slight last minute frenzy as far as trades go. 
Uh, of course, this is the first year where we have to plot extensions, so that's a big thing. And, uh, I just want to know, you know, who, who are you keeping? I mean, there's no real secrets as far as uh, our, our teams right now. I mean, we we talk about it quite a bit. Uh, I think I have a fairly good idea, but uh, any surprises on your keeper list? Yeah, no, I mean, there there shouldn't be any surprises if you're in this league because I've put everybody I'm not keeping to my bench. So, <laughs> um, nice. yeah. And on the trade block. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. So like, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I'm kind of done making moves. I actually already sent my keepers to Derek, uh, nice. earlier today. Um, yeah, I can just run down it real, real quick. So I, I made one, a, a pretty big trade this off season where, I, where I sent away David Dahl, Sean Benai and Hunter Harvey, three guys and, and actually Zach Wheeler. Um, those four guys are guys that I consider myself extremely high on relative to most people. You know, Sean Manaya especially. I think I'm I'm probably forty spots higher on him than than most other uh, prospect lists. But I I was looking at my team and I didn't have any catchers I could keep. And I was looking at the player pool and Yadier Molina and Matt Weeders were the only guys that were going to be available in the auction who I viewed as you know average or better catching options. There's there's just a ton of inflation at that position right now because so many guys have guys like you know Grandal or Mezzarocco guys like that on just really cheap deals so I got Buster Posey back who this is kind of a one-year rental I'm throwing him back after this year and then I got Travis Darno back who is going to cost me eight dollars to keep for this year and next year uh, so I got that position kind of sewn up and I'm I'm hoping that by the time you know next year rolls around and I don't have Posey but I still have Darno. I'm hoping that uh, Jorge Alfaro will be ready to step in there for me with the the Rangers. He's a guy I have in my my farm system right now. Uh, Then I got uh, Steve Pierce, who I'm keeping for pretty cheap. Colton Wong, who I'm extending for two years to keep at 11 for for the next three years. Troy Tulowitzki, Javi Baez, Adam Lind, Leonis Martin, Steven Souza, Christian Yelich. All of those guys, other than... uh, Tulowitzki are at a contract of three dollars or less so saving a lot of money there then uh for prospects at uh, Jorge Alfaro Dan Vogelbach Carlos Correa Gabby Guerrero Ryan Altapia Nick Williams and then uh so that'll leave me four spots to fill in the reserve draft for my prospect spots and then uh pitchers keeping Ken Giles Matt Harvey Jake McGee Jose Quintana and Marcus Stroman nice and you have that top pick in the reserve round draft which i'm jealous of and i I know you're gonna snipe one of the guys i like Uh, i have the third pick in that and just to set the parameters for our listeners this is a 17 team keeper league Uh, i mean very deep keep up to 15 major league keepers and 10 prospects Uh, and i think you're you know smart to point out you know the the inflation at catcher i mean you you had to get a couple guys and i certainly understand that I, i i traded brian mccann recently but uh, I think just because of that inflation, I'm going to have to keep Jason Castro at 5B. I mean, I think that's a fair price as a second guy. Jonathan Lucroy, uh, heading into his final year of his deal at $12, I think I'm going to have to extend him, but I think in just for two years. I mean, and just a one-year extended, so it'd be uh, 17 for the next two years. So my, my team kind of lines up where, you know, like this is the last year I'm going to have Tulowitzki. Uh you know, last year I'm going to have – I've got Lynn for one more year at a buck, Jonas Martin for one more year at three bucks. So – and my, my pitching is, is pretty solid. I think that this is a year that I can try to contend. So I wasn't really going to do that without those catchers. And the way I kind of look at that trade is 
Like, I wouldn't bet on Harvey, Manaya, or Dahl, any of them individually, to not make it. Um, but there's a chance that probably one of them won't, just, you know, for performance reasons or whatever. They won't end up kind of living up to my expectations. And then out of Wheeler, Manaya, and, and Hunter Harvey, I, I hate to say this, but the odds are that one of them probably gets a, a significant throw, elbow or shoulder yeah, injury in the next two or three years, which kind of would, you know, make that less of a. Uh, less of a tough hit for me in that trade. So, I mean, it, sometimes you just got to make moves to win now, and those guys are far enough away where, you know, it's not going to affect my ability to compete this year, and I've got pretty decent prospects still on the on the, on the the come. Yeah, I think you got one of the best, you know, farm systems, to be honest. I, I don't like to admit it, but I'll, I will. <laughs> um, but I, I'm actually surprised of, of the bunch that you traded Wheeler. I, I actually just – the other night I was thinking to myself, I was looking over some some things. I was looking over the baseball forecaster, uh, baseball HQ, and you know, Zach Wheeler, I, I got the, the urge, like, maybe I should reach out to James about Zach Wheeler. Then I remember that you traded him. Um, and I, I mean, I understand the move to win now. Uh, I, I really do think that he could have a big year, but I think I'll, you're right. I'd say that one of those guys is going to go Well, down. and I'll throw this out there. Wheeler was on the final year of his deal, and I think it was at – so he was at three bucks. So I would have had to pay eight bucks to keep him for the next two years. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to keep him for more than that, it would have been, you know, 13. So I, I didn't really want to, you know, I, I love Zach Wheeler and I've actually ended up trading him in a couple dynasty leagues this off season, just because people, you know, he's the type of guy that in a dynasty league, you can get a real nice haul for, and I can totally see him turning into that, that number one starter and everything. But, you know, there's a chance that he just never kind of, gets that command to where it really needs to be and he might just turn out to be one of these guys and get you you know 180 200 strikeouts and you know an okay era and an okay whip but never kind of emerge and i felt i had enough guys you know i've got matt harvey for for the next few years i've got marcus stroman for the next four or five years um you know i've got enough guys where i could kind of withstand that loss just to upgrade my offense which was the the biggest weakness of mine going into this offseason you know you point out that you know you would have you would have had to extend uh wheeler too if you wanted to keep him for beyond this year and that's you know a big thing that i've been thinking about is you know extensions because you, you don't want to kill your profit potential no. this for this year especially if like you and like me, we want to make a run at it this year uh, which is why i'm not extending a guy like charlie blackman who uh, did you extend uh, Billy Hamilton. From what to what? From from nine to nineteen. I'm going to keep him for for three more years. Um, you know, I just think with him, you know, anchoring, you know, as part of the outfield, you know, wins you one at least puts you in good standing in, in at least one category, and and especially in, league, Ron, in leagues this too. deep yeah. too. I mean, like exactly. you you don't need as many stud base dealers to win steals in a seventeen team league as you do in a twelve team league. Exactly, and then I. Uh, I'm gonna extend Luke Roy for an additional year. Uh, gonna let Chris Davis walk. He's in nine C. I figure I'll, I'll profit some this year. Hopefully, uh, didn't actually last year, um, <laughs> and then let him go. And same with Charlie Blackman. Profit a bunch this year. Uh, you know, if I something happens and I fall out of it, uh, even with an expiring contract at one buck, he, he'd make for a decent trade chip, I, I would think. Uh, then I'm also gonna extend Archer. Risky, but uh, I'm gonna keep it at, at one additional year. Uh, just kind of set it at, at two, so it's only going to be $6 uh, for each of the next two years. And then 
Alex Cobb as well, who I just recently uh, acquired in a trade uh, for AJ Pollock and Jesse Winker. I may have given up a bit too much, but I really am high on Cobb. And uh, with the extension, it'll be 16 for each of the next two years. Uh, maybe a bit high, but I'm confident that he will uh, return that value. And I also just, just acquired Henry Owens in draft pick for Re- Trevor Rosenthal. Good riddance. That's all I can say for <laughs> Trevor Rosenthal. I was, I was going to move him for a for a ham sandwich. All right. I was just. I mean, I was going to keep him at a dollar, but uh, I really think he's going to lose his job. I think, uh, you know, I traded earlier in the offseason. I traded Dylan Batances for Christian Yelich, which I I kind of felt was a heist. Uh, and I, you know, you're not going to find a bigger Batances fan than me. But in leagues like this in dynasty leagues and keeper leagues if you can move closers for non-closers where the value is about the same you do it every single time because it's just you're not gonna like i traded uh i traded like a ten dollar joe nathan before the season last year for uh colton wong and i mean that that looks like ridiculous right now but when you when someone's like oh man i don't have any saves like i need to get a closer in here then they start doing irrational things and trading away hitters and starting pitchers i mean you just can't do that in leagues like this like all my closers that i've acquired over the years have been guys like batantis and ken giles and jake mcgee who you just pick off waivers during the season i mean those guys are always going to be out there you just look for the hard throwers and hope that they eventually get that job and then you can move them once once their values at its highest you move them for a hitter you move them for a starting pitcher so I mean that's that's kind of what you got to do in these leagues I was really enticed by Owens I mean maybe not the frontline starter potential but pretty safe I'd say I mean throws in kind of the low 90s but I think uh, he's a safe bet to be a number three yeah, yeah definitely and I think he'll arrive this year and help me out and of course doesn't count against my 15 major league keepers uh big thing with me though was you know, not not so much the extensions, but you know who to keep with my final couple spots because I have a lot of guys like Irvin Santana at a buck. I mean Homer Bailey at seven. Uh, you know Nate Eovaldi at at two. Just difficult to decide. Uh, you know which one of those guys to keep. I mean Irvin Santana at a, at a buck seems to make sense in an expiring deal, uh, but Homer Bailey probably has more upside if he proves healthy. Who are the toughest you know keeper decisions for you? Well, uh, so my, my team name is the, the 80-grade bat flips, but last year they, they became affectionately known as the flops. Uh, <laughs> affectionately and, and, is right. And for, for that reason, there were not any tough decisions. I, I made it so that I had 15 guys I wanted to keep, and there were zero guys that I struggled with at all. You know, I mean, I, for, a, for a one point there, because of some trades, I had 16 guys, but then I narrowed it back down to 15 again with another trade. Uh, hopefully this year we can you know retire the name the flops and get back to being the flips I, I think that the pieces are in place to maybe make that move yeah no Edwin Jackson on the roster Ed- Edwin Jackson year. well Edwin so. Jackson put me in a nice position for a high reserve round pick that's true uh, <laughs> that's a good, very good point um, and thanks for setting legal lineups at the end of that but no I mean that was a lost year I, my team too tanked and at the end and uh but we were able to – I think we're both in very good position position to succeed this year. And, and fortunately, I think, you know, I, I just saw a message actually from a, a member of our staff – a member of the league. Uh, it sounds like he's interested in some of those, you know, kind of leftover pitchers I mentioned. So hopefully I can just get a reserve round draft pick and, and make the, this decision a little bit easier for myself. Uh, but, James, let's move on to your farm futures piece. A very good 
uh, series going on at Rotowire right now. Uh, if you if you don't have access, check us out at rotowire.com slash free for a free 10 days. Uh, the NL Central up this week. Uh, of course, you know, probably the best farm system in, in baseball in the Cubs. Uh, Chris Bryant, no surprise, he's your number one in all baseball. Uh, tops their list. And then Addison Russell, Jorge Soler, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora, Dan Vogelbach, Swaggy V, uh, Billy McKinney, uh, Pierce Johnson, C.J. Edwards, and Gliber Torres. Uh, I was actually surprised to see Pierce Johnson dropped in our SKL2 recently, but I, I, I guess I kind of see it. Um, now, Brian, of course, mentioned the no-brainer, but uh, two through two through four, did you have some some difficulty, or was was Russell the, the clear favorite over Solaire? No, I. It's not that tough for me. I mean, the it's it's the best top three in mm. in the entire you know in all of baseball. Uh, all three of these guys are top ten dynasty league prospects in my opinion but uh Jorge Soler like a lot of his value is just the fact that he's going to be playing every day this year and you know you got to value that pretty highly I think I mean he's gonna obviously be playing in right field for them you would you would imagine for the foreseeable future but once Russell gets up to the big leagues I think there's going to be a significant gap between his value and Soler's value and Russell could be up you know in August or September of this year so uh, not that tough. I mean, shortstops. I mean, his, his production really could could be that of a, a Troy Tulowitzki's. You know, if if he if everything clicks for Russell, I mean, he he can just really handle the stick. So I, I like Russell there in the two spot quite a bit. Um, and then there was so there's kind of a drop off I think between uh, Russell and Soler, and then a drop off between Soler and Schwarber for me because and then a drop off between Schwarber and Almora. I mean, there's there's a lot of tiers on this list based on kind of where I have guys ranked. Yeah, and I mean, I think most people. I mean, you mentioned Soler going to be playing every day, and that's a large part of his value. But I think you know most people would still think your best bet for 2015 would be Chris Bryant. But you actually do have Soler as your best bet for 2015. No surprise, Bryant most upside though. Um, you know, do you think he he comes up immediately following the Super Two deadline, or do you think uh, there's a chance he could stay down a, a little bit longer? I would imagine he comes up as soon as they get that extra year of mm-hmm. control. Uh, I mean, that he could always break camp with the team too. I'm not saying that I know for sure he's going to be in the minors to start the year, but that would just make the most sense to me. Um, you know, Brian and Solaire. I would I would say if Bryant comes up after the Super Two and Soler starts the year with the team, I think their numbers look fairly similar at the end of the year. Uh, maybe give Soler the edge in, in ribbies and ribbies and runs scored. Uh, as I said, it was a tough call for best bet for 2015. I think if Bryant were to break camp with the team, he would be the easy call there. But I, I just like the fact that I know for a fact Soler is going to be with the team all year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one, one guy who I'm kind of surprised just that he's – down at number nine is C.J. Edwards. Uh, I mean, not not overly surprised. There are definitely concerns, but uh, you know, saw him in the fall league. He looked really good. Uh, what are your main main issues with him? Is it, is it the stature, ability to hold up to a starter's workload? Uh, what is it exactly? Yeah, it's uh, both of those things. Okay. You know, I I he's 155 pounds listed. You know, might might be more than that at this point if he's if he's been able to put on some muscle since since he was last weighed. But mm-hmm. you know, six foot two hundred fifty five pounds that's that's real thin. And he's he's only pitched more than seventy innings in a season once. And I just don't 
I think if you if you are going to tell me that you confident or you're confident he's going to stick as a starter, then I just I don't believe you. I mean, you can't be confident in a guy that's that size that doesn't have the track record of holding those innings. You can't be confident he's going to make it as a starter. He could. I'm not saying he, he's definitely going to be in the bullpen, but I'm just going to operate under the assumption that there's at least a coin flips chance he ends up in the bullpen. Yeah, and it's not like he's you know 19 years old, you know, 155 pounds. He's 23. So, I mean, physical uh, development, it's pretty much over with. I mean, there's always a chance he could add some muscle, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of unrealistic to think that, uh, you know, he could have a, a long major league career as a starter. I, I agree uh, I think there's still some upside there, but thinking realistically, uh, definitely understandable to have him down that far. Now let's get to my Reds. I'm jacked about this. Uh, <laughs> Bobby S. Robert Stevenson still tops your list for the Reds rankings. I, I know we've we've talked about him before, you know, at length. There's definitely, you know, had some issues last year. Definitely at, with the move up to Double A. Uh, you know, he's still young, 22 years old, but you have some concerns that he could end up in the bullpen. Uh, that said, you gave him the edge over Jesse Winker. Why is that? I just think that the the upside with Stevenson is that of you know a guy that could be taken. It's it's close. I mean, I I don't know. I usually would go with the hitter, but I just think Stevenson has more upside if he if he is able to put it together. I mean, we could be looking at, you know, a frontline guy. And with Winker, I I don't know. I just don't know if he's ever going to be – I mean, he's going to be a really good player. Like, he's a guy that you would be out, you'd be willing to start in almost any fantasy format as one of your outfielders. But I think he could have just kind of a more, you know, easily accessible skill set where you can find guys that are going to hit, you know, 270 mm-hmm. and hit 25 homers I mean maybe maybe that's the high end of what he does but I think Stevenson has the chance to be a bit more special mm-hmm. um, definitely a tough call though I mean I, I wouldn't fault anyone if they wanted to rank Winker at the the top spot there yeah I mean I, I like Winker too but I agree that you know the, the hit tool is definitely there but maybe the the power even in a ballpark like Cincinnati just doesn't doesn't meet expectations really uh, I know you know, one person I overheard say in the fall league that you know Winker will win a batting title at some point in his career, and I think that could happen. Uh, he's said to be you know more advanced than uh, you know a guy like Jay Bruce was at his age, but um, you know I, I still think the, the book is, is is out on Winker. I mean, he had a had a wrist injury at the end of last year, uh, which kept him off the field, and I think you know I need to s- still see more at the upper levels. Uh, before I really, you know, declare declare him a top prospect in baseball. And I thought it was interesting that Baseball America actually had Rysel Iglesias over Winker uh, in their in their top uh, 30 for the Reds system. Uh, Iglesias, you know, pretty much an unknown right now, but uh, do you think he, long-term, I mean, from what you know about him, is more likely to end up in the bullpen or as a starter? Well, I'm kind of intrigued in what I've been hearing, I guess, out of, Red's camp this spring about how you know they're going to start him as a starter and just kind of see what happens which and I've I've heard Red's beat writers say that you know list him ahead of Tony Singrani on the organizational depth chart at, at starting pitcher so you know I think that they they're set and I mean Iglesias is a guy that could close if he was in the bullpen they don't need that right now 
uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he starts, and I think that they give him a, a good shot to start. I mean, they, they've kind of done it both ways now with, with international signees. Like Araldus Chapman, they ended up letting him, you know, relieve because that's what he wanted to do. But they need help in that rotation. I think Iglesias has the most upside of any of those options for that number five spot. So he's a guy that, you know, I mentioned that I'd like Anthony Desclafani the most for this season out of the system, but I could easily see if, if Rice Iglesias were to get that number five starter spot, I would put him ahead of Desclafani, and I think he'd be a guy that you'd have to look at at the end of most drafts. Oh, definitely. Don't you think about taking him with that number one reserve <laughs> <laughs> pick? If he's um, there, I mean – no, I know. He's he's really <laughs> impressive. I mean, he definitely dominated in, in the fall league and I mean I didn't get to see him but I, I He'll saw get highlights. bit on, won't he? I I don't know. By you? Probably by me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Iglesias yeah, I mean early reports have been definitely glowing. I know the Reds have expressed some concern with him taking on a starter's workload at this point in his career. Uh but he is twenty five and you know, maybe they you want to build up his innings a little bit, but I, I definitely think it's not out of question to think he could break camp with a rotation spot. Uh, that said, the Reds do have some issues at the back end of that bullpen. Jumbo Diaz, I mean, I was writing about you know the job battle for the setup role. Blessed Major League Baseball with its best name uh, in recent memory upon his promotion last year after 12 years in the minors. Uh, throws really hard, averaged better than 97 on his fastball last year, but uh, behind him, Burke Baden, Hop. You know some really questionable, questionable options. I think Iglesias, you know, if he doesn't, could really factor into that setup mix as well. Uh, but Anthony Desclafani, impressive numbers at AAA last year as a as a 24 year old. Uh, but one guy I'm keeping on is Amir Garrett, 22 at High A, uh, left hander. He, he gave up basketball recently uh, to focus on on baseball, and I think uh, you know th- that progression could could develop quickly uh, with his focus shifted exclusively to baseball yeah I mean he's he's kind of the exception to the the pitchers kind of at the bottom of this list where he's actually an upside guy whereas guys like uh, you know guys like Nick Howard and guys like Trevisio to me are, are more kind of you know limited upside mid mid rotation at best whereas Garrett you know could be boom could be bust but you know I like I like his size I like the fact that he's a lefty I'm pissed that the Reds took uh, Nick Howard in the first round last year. That was just silly. I mean, considering their needs uh, and and the talent that was on the board, just getting a low upside arm like that just uh, wasn't ideal. But let's move on to the Brewers, Uh, one of the weaker farm systems really in baseball. But Cody Medeiros. That's your opinion. That is my opinion. I I don't think I'm in the minority there. No, you're not. No. But Um, I disagree. Really, you don't have you don't think they're a bottom five? I I don't. I would actually. System? I mean, I I think that there's there's definitely some teams I would I would take them over. I don't think that they have the standout guys that some other systems do, but I I really like their depth. Yeah, I mean, their their top picks in, in last year's draft: Cody Medeiros, Jacob Gatewood. Uh, I like a, a decent amount. I mean, Medeiros doesn't really have a ton of upside. I don't think. Uh, and there's some injury risk there. But he's I, a lefty, just eighteen. I think years he's old. got a ton of upside. Actually, wow, really? Okay. Um, I mean, I, I just, I, I really like the upside. I think he could flame out pretty easily too, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty high on him as if everything were to click, I think he could be a number two. Hopefully we can maybe go see him and, and, uh, what is their affiliate right around here? Appleton. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully we can go see him and Gatewood. I mean, Gatewood, uh, raw product right now, but the power is there. Uh, you have Clint Coulter atop their list and Orlando Arcia, Tyrone Taylor, uh, 
Coulter at high A. You have L- Gilbert Lara, who is seventh in the system, is the most upside. Uh, and, and Coulter, you know, he, he seems like a, a relatively low s- ceiling type of guy as far as I'm concerned, but do you think there's there's still plenty of upside with him as well? Yeah. I mean, I I think that you you have to look at, like, like the Brewers get this, like, terrible rap for, I mean, their system's been labeled as bad, but they've been graduating guys. I mean, to graduate, you know, an everyday second baseman or at least a strong side of a platoon second baseman who hits for a high average and Scooter Jeanette to graduate Chris Davis, who's been, you know, a really good source of power for them. I mean, they're, they're graduate. I mean, um, Jimmy Nelson, who, you know, a lot of scouts think has the potential to be a number three someday. Willie Peralta, who, you know, is definitely a mid-rotation guy now with possibly the upside for more. I mean, those are guys that have, they've graduated in recent years, and they've always been rated pretty poorly, but that's I'd put that track record up against a decent number of teams. So, you know, I, I think that you kind of – you're not going to hear about these guys ranked in, like, top 100 other than Arcia, maybe Tyrone Taylor, but Coulter to me is – is a guy that you know moving off catcher it's going to give him a chance to really develop with the bat if i mean if you like what he did last year you know while catching i mean i think it could be interesting to see what he can do this year now that he's focused you know full-time on just offense as, as he's going to be in a corner outfield spot who do you think has the better system the reds or the brewers um <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't I don't know if I want to get into this right now, but <laughs> no, I, we don't have. We can save that. I, but I, I, I just am begging for you to say the Brewers. I, I, I might, I might take the Brewers. <laughs> oh boy! Okay, now, now you done did it. You done did it, James. All right, we'll just leave that one. Be. Best bet for 2015: Taylor Youngman of the Brewers. Uh, we'll get to the. The Pirates here real quick, and the Cardinals just very quickly. Tyler Glass now tops the Pirates list. Jameson Tyon next, Josh Bell, Austin Meadows. Jung-Ho Kong, who homered today, I saw in, in the spring game. Pretty imp- impressive power. Glass now, right-hander, just 21 years old. Um, what do you think his ceiling is, and when do you expect him to arrive uh, to help that staff in Pittsburgh? He's got a you know pretty crazy fantasy ceiling. I, I think that he could be... You know, a guy that strikes out close to 250 guys a year in his prime. I mean, that, he's got that kind of swing and miss stuff. Six foot seven with the, you know, plus plus fastball, uh, really good breaking ball. But he's got some stuff to work on. He's got some stuff to kind of clean up. And you know, he's facing. He was just overmatching guys last year in the the lower levels. This year, he's going to actually have to kind of clean up that that walk rate a little bit. But you know, I think he's he's definitely got the most upside in the system. You know, when I first arrived in Arizona in the fall, I, he was the first guy I got to see on the mound, and he wasn't very impressive. But then I realized, you know, he's just throwing fastballs, exclusively fastballs, and I think they probably sent him there to work on his fastball command primarily. Uh, but the, the breaking stuff is definitely definitely good, solid. I mean, it, it can play, and I think it should play at the upper levels, but uh, you have him as your most upside. Best bet for 2015, though, is Kong. Uh where do you think he's going to play? Do you think you know he ultimately supplants Jordy Mercer? Or do you think it'll be you know only sporadic starts here and there? I think it's going to be sporadic starts, and they're just going to kind of let it be sort of a fluid situation where, you know, if he just gets really hot, then maybe he does start getting you know some looks over guys. Uh, I wrote 
that really if, if you're in like a stand if you're in like a mixed league a 12 team or a 14 team mixer i would i would not draft him and i would wait for you know in april or may whoever takes him is going to get kind of sick and tired of him not playing that much or as much as they hoped he would and they're going to drop him because they, they see someone else on the wire they like and then you wait and you see maybe josh harrison suffers an injury or maybe you know neil walker suffers an injury or jordy mercer suffers an injury and then at that point kang becomes uh one of the top ads you know of the year on, on waiver wire so I, I just don't think that he's someone you need to go out and grab because he is going to start the year as a bench player yeah that's it could be a sneaky you know a very profitable move if you can you know wait for that market to depress you know wait for the owner to to get antsy and then and then maybe really steal him uh, from his owner now the cardinals you got marco gonzalez Alexander Reyes, Stephen Piscotty, Rob Kaminsky, Jack Flaherty, top five. Not the system uh, that we've kind of come to expect from the Cardinals. Uh, as as you say here, I'm looking right now. I see that. Uh, I just stole that. <laughs> um, I mean, this, this, this system, though, really uh, kind of underwhelming at first glance. I mean, they got Randall Gritchick, uh, you know, some, some deep, <laughs> they decent. They got Randall Gritchick. They got Randall Gritchick, though. Uh, Stephen Piscotty. But, you know, as far as upside, Alexander Reyes, you have Marco Gonzalez's best bet for 2015. Uh, do you think that, you know, the, the lack of talent here uh, you know, could could end up catching up with this team rather quickly? I don't, just because they grad, they've they graduated so many studs lately and they've, mm-hmm. they're, they're all under team control. I mean, Colton Wong, Matt Adams, Michael Walker, Trevor Rosenthal, Carlos Martinez, they, they used Shelby Miller to get a piece. Uh so they're they're in fine shape in the short term, I think. I mean, they've got enough guys in the top five or so of this list, or top seven. They've got enough guys that can kind of step in and help when when they have a spot open. So I'm not I'm not worried about them. It's just worth noting that you know this year they're probably going to graduate Gonzalez, Piscotti, and Grichik from this list, and you could be looking at the Cardinals as you know maybe a bottom five system next year just because you know all the guys are going to be up at the big league level on awesome contracts Mm -hmm. which is which is what you want that's what you want out of your farm system but they're going to take a few more years to kind of have to restock that system before they get it back up into like the top 15 or the top 10. Real quick you have Marco Gonzalez again as your best bet for 2015 he's going to be competing for the final rotation spot do you think he he wins that job at a camp? I think uh, Carlos Martinez wins it but I say I said in the article that I would give it to Gonzalez just because, you know, the fact that he was able to come in and basically be, you know, a league average starter as a 22-year-old with less than 150 career innings in the minor leagues. I mean, to me, that's just really impressive and kind of speaks to the makeup of the kid. And I would, you know, I think he, I'd give him a shot. I, I don't see his stuff playing up in the bullpen the way that Carlos Martinez's stuff can. And, you know, in short bursts, Martinez – could be very useful for the Cardinals because after you know after Walden and Rosenthal I mean they they have some guys but nobody that could really match Martinez's electric stuff so and Gonzalez to me is just he's a pitcher I mean he's a true pitcher I mean he's good at you know sequencing he's got a nice kind of pitch mix but out of the bullpen I think that'd be kind of a waste I don't I don't see they I don't see them ever putting Gonzalez in the bullpen I think they'd just send him down to triple a but I think eventually he gets into that rotation sometime this year well, thanks, James. That'll do it for this edition of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Get get back to us on Twitter uh, at RealJRAnderson at Clay W. Link. We'd like some feedback. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next Tuesday.
This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.